We get seconds when we get water sometimes because they all tilt. This, this sermon series that the Lord, I believe the Holy Spirit gave me a, several weeks ago, What Did Jesus Do? WDJD. If you're visiting today, you don't know what all these initials are for. That's, well, there it is. What Did Jesus Do? Can I be honest with you this morning? Y'all should say that. Pastor should never have to ask that question. You ever notice how people, listen, I'm telling you the truth. Well, really? You mean you tell lies sometimes? I just think about things like that. Listen, I'm being, I'm being truthful now. So what were you before? <laughs> As I started this series, and we started with uh, the baptism of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and confrontation with the enemy, and then we moved into where Jesus went to his hometown, and he, they, they bring out the scroll, and he begins to read from Isaiah 61. Uh, what and, and so the whole premise for these sermons were, that we would do what Jesus did. And you know what I think a lot of people do? And I'm not, not saying anybody here. I'm just saying in general. A lot of people, they go and they hear, they listen, but they don't apply. And, I, you know, I just wonder how, how many of you, and I, listen, please do not raise your hands, and this is not about condemnation. This is about awareness. Are you doing what Jesus did? Or are you... Are you actually seeing people that you come in contact get free or get saved or get delivered? Or are or, or, or the brokenhearted that come in contact with you, are you being able to, to allow the Holy Spirit to move through you to touch a life and you see them raised from the dead, so to speak? You see them, their, their broken hearts become mended. Because if, if all we do is come and we sit and we get another sermon about what did Jesus do so we'll know what we're supposed to do. And if all we do is come and receive, you know what we do? We just get fat on the Word. We're not not allowing the Word to flow through us. See, the Holy Spirit, when He comes in, He flows through us and out of us. You know, that the Holy Spirit's in us and He's he's wanting to get out. He wants to go and affect the lives of other people around you. That's the whole premise. That's the whole reason Jesus said, I've done this. And he says, I want you to do the same things that I've done, but I want you to do greater things than I've done. And and sometimes we look at that, and that's a great verse, but are we really exercising what God is putting in our hearts to exercise, to do in the kingdom of God? And maybe it's just the fact that we're not looking. We're not really looking where our eyes aren't open to situations around us or we are so distracted by the cares of life that we don't see these things or because we don't want to see these things because ministry is messy. I will be the first to tell you that ministry is messy. You know, when Jesus walked the streets, he, he didn't ride in, a, he didn't have a chariot. They didn't carry him around in a little cart, you know, like they do, would do kings in that day. He walked in with his sandals in the dust of the, of, the, of the earth and he walked into the places, into places where sinners were. He touched lepers. He went where the people were all waiting by a pool to be healed. He walked through crowds of people that were desperate for a touch from Jesus Christ. But we live in that same world. There are people around you that are desperate. They're desperate for a touch from Jesus. They don't even know it's Jesus they need a touch from. But they're desperate. I cannot, 
Listen, if I were sit here to tell you the, the stories that I hear week in and week out from people that are desperate for a touch from God, and I'm thinking, if I'm touching a few people, are you touching a bunch of people too? Because it's going to take all of us. When, when, when the first thing he said when, he, when they opened the scroll, he said, I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, if you weren't here that Sunday, we, don't, we, don't, we have dis, uh, disavowed that statement that so many people say, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Listen, it's necessary to use words. I mean, not anymore, we came up with that concept. And he says, we, faith comes by hearing, okay? Not by seeing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, who's going to bring the word of God? A preacher. Who are the preachers? Who are the whosoevers? Raise your hand. You're a preacher. You're the whosoever. So this morning, listen, whatever you've heard in the last few sermons, are, are those things becoming real in your life? Because if you're the one that's always thinking, I need, the, I need that healing, I need that freedom, I need all that. If, if that's you and you haven't gotten it yet, you're not going to be able to give it yet. But you've got to step in and, and grab hold of that freedom. It, the violent take it by force, the Bible says. If you really want to go and get your freedom, you've got to go after it. You've got to go after it. I can't go after it for you. I can't, deli- I can't, be the del- I can't deliver Robert. He's got to want to be delivered. Just using you as an example. I don't know what I did. Are, are y'all, y'all feeling me this morning? I, I know it's spring break, and y'all probably wanted to kick back and wear your Hawaiian shirts today and like sip on some, uh, you know, some juice and just come and have a good time and bring your your, to, your pool toys. And we thought we'd go out the river and just have a little fun time. Listen, we don't have extra days. We have today, and, and God wants to set people free today. And if you're not free, you can't help somebody else get free. Now, I want to qualify that because I've said that much of my life and I've preached it. That if, you, if you're not free, you can't help get somebody free. That's probably not a truthful, fully truthful statement. Even if you're in bondage, you can actually help somebody. You can direct them toward Jesus. And you can help them get free even if you're in bondage. So I want, to, I want to qualify that statement. Here's the deal. If you're free, though, you can really move in. And you can really help them adequately. You can show them the truth. And you know what people listen to? They listen to a testimony of faith. They listen to a testimony of redemption. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me so I know that he can do it for you. But if you're going into, I want to show somebody how, I, listen, I know I'm still in bondage, but let me show you how Jesus can set you free. It doesn't work so well that way. So this morning, I, w- I want us to all, and, and this part of the message today, this self-examination thing, we're going to look at that this morning. So turn to your Bibles to Luke chapter 4, that's our, that's our basis for all these, most of this series is from Luke chapter 4, where he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. This is Jesus quoting Isaiah. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, we've talked about that, to preach the gospel, heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty last week, proclaim liberty to the captives, and, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. But sandwiched in there between, I told you we would do it this week, is recovery of sight to the blind to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Listen, we are to, our lives are supposed to be about proclaiming that Jesus Christ is coming back. But today we're going to look at the recovery of sight to the blind. Now you go back in your, in your King James or in your New King James and you try to find recovery of sight to the blind, you probably won't find it there. But if you go to the complete Jewish Bible, how many of you have a Jewish Bible in your home? 
a complete Jewish Bible, you go to that one and you will see this in Isaiah 61. The spirit of Adonai Elohim is upon me because Adonai has anointed me to announce good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, to let out into light those bound in the dark. See, he wants to set us free, but he wants us, he wants us out of the dark. He wants us walking in the light. Read it over and over in the New Testament. Jesus says, I want you to walk in the light. He says, he says, I am the light of the world. But he said, now you are the light of the world. He said, I want you to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify our Father in heaven. That's who he says we are to be. We are to be light. But listen, if we are walking in the dark, we can't really shine the light for anybody else. So this morning, I want us to focus on, let's see how we can get the light in us so we can give the light to other people. John 14, 12, I've said it over and over. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, that's the whosoever. Say, I'm the whosoever. The works that I do, he will do also in greater works. Say, greater works. Greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And when he, you read the rest of that, he says, I go to my Father, but the Holy Spirit's coming to empower you, to anoint you. The Spirit of God is upon us to do the things that Jesus called us to do. So we're supposed to do what Jesus did. We're supposed to be a part of leading the blind into sight. Now, the Apostle Paul is a great example of this. And I want to look at so just a few verses in, in Acts about the Apostle Paul, because the Apostle Paul, he was totally against Jesus. He was on his, on his way to Damascus, and he was struck down. And guess what God did to him? He blinded him. He blinded him. He wanted him to know what darkness was like, because he was already physically, he was in the spiritually, he was in the darkness. And, and God, Jesus wanted him to know what it was like to be physically blind. And listen, if, if we wanted to do a great object lesson this morning, we could have passed out blindfolds to everybody. And I'll tell you what, if we were to come in here and we'd, and we'd tie that black blindfold on you when you walked in the foyer and you went through worship and all this, listen, you would like, when, when we said it's time to take them off, you'd go, wow, I was really wanting to see. I, I don't like to be blind. I, I don't like to not be able to see where I, I don't want to have somebody lead me down the aisle to get into a chair. I, I really want to see. Well, the Apostle Paul was struck down on the road to Damascus. He was going to arrest Christians. He was going to have them put in jail. He'd already done this. He'd already had Christians arrested, put in jail, and, and killed while they were in prison. And he was on his way to do the very same thing. And he was struck down on the road to Damascus by Jesus. And Jesus spoke to him. And look what he said. He, went, he sent him to meet this, this man named Ananias. Ananias. And in verse 17, he said, And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And he laid his hands on him. And he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, he, Ananias, remember, if you go, go back and read this, it's so interesting because Ananias didn't want to have anything to do with Paul or Saul at the time. Because he knew what his reputation was. And anyway, and Jesus showed him and gave him a vision and gave Paul a vision. And he said, listen, this man is coming to you. Oh, you're going to lay your hands on him and he is going to receive his sight and he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 18 says, and immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. He knew from that point on there was something special. Ananias knew there was something special about this man that had come into his house blind, and now he could see. Now he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now he had been baptized, and he was ready to go and serve. Later on, Paul's giving his testimony. If you look at Acts 26, 
Paul gives his testimony many times throughout the New Testament. In Acts 26, as he was giving his testimony, he said, this is what Jesus told him to do, and this is what he's telling you to do and me to do this morning. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and the things which I will yet reveal to you. Did you know God's still going to, he wants to reveal himself to you still? He, he's not a God that's just, everything is, is, is stagnant. He wants to constantly reveal himself to you. And he says this, I will deliver you, verse 17, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from, as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Can you imagine? He's Jewish and you're sending me where? We're sending you to the people that you don't like. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. God gave Paul a mission, and he has given you a mission today. He's giving me a mission today. There are people around you that you know, that you know, that you know, that are walking in darkness. They might as well have scales over their eyes. They have not seen Jesus yet. They have not seen the the Holy Spirit yet. They have not experienced anything of God yet. And they are desperate for an encounter with God. And guess who God brings to encounter these people? He brings us. That's how he designed it. Just like he designed Paul to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. You listen. You can pray for the dead to rise all you want to, and, and that's a great thing. But I told my kids, I told my wife, listen, when I went in the hospital that time two years ago, and they came out and they said there's no hope, they said, what are you going to do about, what are you gonna do about Harold if he, if he passes? And Mary Lou told them, he didn't want to come back. Don't pray him back. Listen, a believer, I don't believe believers want to come back. Once you've tasted, once you've seen, once you've been in the presence of God, I don't want to come back. But listen, there are lost people. There are lost people all around us. They're the, they're the walking dead. And listen, if they were to die, we need to pray that they come back. But listen, let's, let's preempt that. Let's have a preemptive strike, and let's see them raised from the dead while they're living. Let's see their eyes, their blind eyes, open while they're alive and be a part of seeing the resurrected life. Listen, we're, we're in two weeks. We're so, do you all believe that it's two weeks? Resurrection Sunday? I was listening to a preacher this week on the radio, and he said, he, he, he said every Sunday, every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every day is Resurrection Day. And that's true. We are, we are the people. We are, we live in the, we're in the land of the living. But God wants us to bring those people that are walking dead into the land of the living. Amen? Can the blind lead the blind? Look at Luke chapter 6 couple of chapters away from what the mandate jesus already had he, he's teaching he's teaching the beatitudes he's teaching he's teaching about love he's teaching about all these awesome things he, he's bringing revelation to to the jewish people he's the rabbi and he he's bringing new teachings to them they're not quite understanding everything he's saying and you can go back and read luke 6 today it'd be a great thing to do this week reading the read chapter 6 of luke and he spoke a parable to them verse 39 can the blind lead the blind what is, what would, what's the rhetorical answer to that? No. They can, but it's not a good thing. Will they not, not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. In other words, if we're listening, if we're focusing on him, we're supposed to be like him. 
And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you have a plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite! First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. That's an almost comical illustration that Jesus is giving. Okay? He's going, hmm. Hold on, hold on. Oh, I can't, I can't get close enough. You know what? If you had a plank in your eye, you couldn't actually get close enough to the person to remove the speck in their eye. You got a plank. Telephone pole. Matter of fact, you'd be way off from that person. I see a speck in your eye. <laughs> well, but that's great, brother, but I see a telephone pole sticking out of your head. He was trying to make a point. Kind of like the camel crawling through the eye of a needle. He's trying to make a point here. So he gets her attention with that one, doesn't he? What he's saying is if we're going to understand how to remove the plank from uh, the speck from somebody else's eye, we've got to remove the plank from our own eye. In other words, if we're going to if we're going to help somebody get free, we've got to get free first. Okay? Y'all agree with that? So the removal of the plank from our own eye is key for us to remove the speck from somebody else's eye. So I want to talk about the basics of plank removal. The basics of plank removal. You see, it starts with self-examination. It starts with being honest with God. See, a lot of people, they, they want to sweep their sins under the rug, so to speak. They don't want to confess their sins. Hey, if you don't confess them, that means you probably don't have any. They don't want to admit that what, what's going on in their life. They don't want to admit the secret sin. They want to just sweep those things under the, under the rug, so to speak. And that's why this thing called self-examination is not necessarily a good thing. You know why it's not? Because self lies. Self lies. I grew up, you know this story, I grew up in a very legalistic church. As a matter of fact, you could lose your salvation if you just had a bad thought. You know what I'm saying? But I had a bad thought, I lost it, and poof, you're, you're lost again. And I thought, well, I, there's no way I can stay saved. I just, Mom, put me in the baptistry, leave me there. That's, that's the only place I'm safe. <laughs> Hold me underwater. And whatever you got to do. But I, I can't live the sinless life that, that we, we've been taught, to, taught that we're supposed to live. And every time I sin, I would, I'd be doomed to hell again. So it's like a very distressing, very stressful kind of lifestyle. You know what I'm talking about? It's very stressful to try to, try to be perfect. In our, in, and so this... What we did instead of call, here's how we get around that, Justin. We, we quit calling sin, sin. We just called it a mistake. Yeah. That way I don't have to go, oh, I just made a mistake today. You shot the neighbor's dog. It was just a mistake. You know? And we quit calling the sin, sin. So self-examination doesn't work so well sometimes. Here, here's what David, remember what David did when he had Bathsheba and he took her and then and then he got her pregnant and had her husband killed. All that horrible stuff that he went through. Listen to what he said. King David said this in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Here's the key to self-examination. Let God do the examination. Let the Holy Spirit shine the light upon you. So the true you, the true things that are in your life that you need to be rid of can be exposed so you can begin to walk in the light and not in the darkness. So the next time you go, well, I, I'm just going to have to see how good I am. I have to self-examine. Let the Holy Spirit examine you. Because 
and listen, be honest with him. Just say, examine me if there's something in my life, Holy Spirit. Show me what it is so I can walk away from it, so I can repent of it, so I can be free of it. Because then you're free to free somebody else. The basics of plank removal. The first one is allow the Holy Spirit to examine you. Look at Luke. We're going to go back to Luke 6 again. But I say to you who, this is verse 27, just the first part of it. But I say to you who hear, say hear. You see, before we can see, we need to hear. He was talking to all these people and said, listen, you need to hear what I've got to say. Before we can see, he said, I, I, I say to you who hear, listen, I want you to know, Jesus was saying, listen, you've got to hear my voice here. You've got to listen. You've got to pay attention. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they what? They follow me. They follow me. And, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Hallelujah. Come on, give him thanks for that. Come on, praise him for that. Nobody can snatch you out of his hand. You can't take yourself out of his hand because you're somebody. So if we want to know the basics of plank removal, we've got to be honest and we've got to listen. And then he says this, love your enemies. Man, he just went and messed it all up, didn't he? Love your enemies. How do we love our enemies? You have to change the way you look at people. You have to repent. You have to begin to see people the way God sees people. In and of yourself, you can't love your enemies. You might love some people that are lovely, that are loving to you and are nice to you. Oh, I love oh so-and-so, man. He is, he is, she's nice. He's good. They're, man, they bless me. I really love them. But what about your enemies? Well, I'm not so sure about them. He says to love your enemies. So how does love look? Next question. How does love look? He goes on to say, do good to those who hate you. Doing good to someone you hate may not change them, but I promise you it'll change you. Just honestly doing good to people. When did we make it so complicated? When did we decide it had to be so complicated to live for Christ? Acts 10, 38, this is Jesus. What did Jesus do? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit's got to be in there. And with power who went about doing good. Before it says he healed anybody, it said he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Is God with you? Can you be, can you be a person that goes about doing good? Then can you offer healing to people through the power of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Should that be a part of the normal Christian life? Yes. It should be a part of the normal Christian life. He says this, not only are you to do good, but bless those who curse you. Listen, I'm giving you some good information. God, Jesus has given some good information for you to get the plank out of your eye. You see, it's, if the plank's in your eye, there's a, there's a problem with how you see people. Bless those who curse you. Listen, it's hard to be critical of other people and bless them at the same time. It really is. If, if, you, if you want to be critical of somebody and in the same... Listen, you, you, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We've got to be people that are willing to bless other people. And I'm not talking about blessing the good people. They've already been blessed. And it's okay if somebody sneezes and say, God bless you. But I'm talking about somebody that maybe has wounded you. Somebody has said ugly things about you. That you would bless those who speak 
cursing or words of, of curses over you that we are to bless them. And pray. <laughs> Say pray. Pray for those who spitefully use you. You know, somebody, yeah, I'll pray for them, all right. God, get them. That's not what he's talking about here, is it? He's talking about praying a prayer of blessing over them, praying a prayer that God would open their eyes, that they would see the truth. Praying a blessing over somebody. Listen, if you don't know this by now, let me tell you, prayer changes things. Prayer changes people. Prayer changes circumstances. When's the last time you really prayed for your enemy? When's the last time you blessed somebody who cursed you? God's saying, if you want to get the plank out of your eye, if you really want to see people the way I see people, then you'll begin to pray for them. You'll begin to bless them. You will love them. You will do good to them. That's how love looks. Oh, then verse 29. To him who strikes you on one cheek, let him slap you on the other one. Listen, a lot of people go, well, I just I don't know if somebody slapped me on the cheek. If I could turn my other cheek and let him slap me on that one. Really what this scripture really meant, if you go back and, and study it in the Greek, a slap on the cheek was culturally understood as a deep insult. Not necessarily a physical attack. Anybody ever offended you? Said something that hurt you? Really insulted you? Did you know you can be offended without taking up an offense? Did you know that? The Bible didn't say you, you won't be offended. Matter of fact, you, Jesus said you're going to be offended. He offended people all the time. But what he said was don't take up an offense. Taking up is taking ownership of it. When you take up the offense and you take ownership of it, then hatred starts coming in, bitterness starts coming in, unforgiveness starts coming in, and then you're in trouble. Then you've got to repent. Then you've got to repent. Then you've got to repent again. So he, he's not saying that we can't be offended, church, but he says, listen, if you've been insulted... Don't retaliate the way the world would teach you to retaliate. Don't take up the offense. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Listen, Jesus is talking about the way we would respond to people in every life situation. He's using some examples here, but he's saying, how are you, what is your attitude going to be toward people that want to use you, that want to curse you, that want to put you down? How are you going to respond to them? How would Jesus respond to them? Because how Jesus responded is how we're supposed to respond. And I want to tell you something before we even go any further. Apart from God, you can't do any of these things. Apart from the power of the Holy Spirit within you, you're just going to react just like the world. And you're going to bring all, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's, there's not going to be any glory brought to God. It's going to be all the focus is going to be on the enemy and his domination over you. Verse 30 says, give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. You mean somebody comes up to me and says, give me $100, and I give them $100, and then tomorrow they come back and they say, give me another $100, I give you... Listen, he's again, he's trying, he's trying to show you about attitudes here. Because if you're doing these things in love, you're not going to actually let somebody manipulate you. Because some people will take scriptures like these and they'll try to manipulate people. We are wiser than that. We're more understanding in that. He's talking about your attitude with somebody that needs some money and you loan them some money. Listen, use the old principle, the kiss, kiss principle. Kiss it goodbye. Listen, if you're going to loan some money to somebody and you're expecting them to pay you back, listen, and then guess what you're going to create there? You're going to create a problem. 
Especially in the relatives, especially with family members. Some family member comes to you and says, can you loan me some money? No, I'm not going to loan you a dime, but I'll give it to you. You will be free, way more free if you do it that way. Then the next, when are you going to pay me back? When are you going to pay me back? When are you going to pay me back? Guess what you're going to create there? Division. So just explain. Now listen, I, don't, I want to bless you. I want to bless you. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit in all these areas of your life. Romans 12, 21, Paul kind of sums it up by saying, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We are overcomers. And we overcome the things that are done to us with being good. We overcome with the good of Christ, with the godliness of Christ. And then he sums it all up. Jesus sums it all up in verse 31, which is what we call the golden rule. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Plank removal. If you're gonna if you're gonna help somebody else get free, listen, church, we've got to get the plank out of our own eye. Drop down to verse thirty-seven. This is where it really gets deep. It's gonna be hard for us to minister to people that are lost, that are blind, that are hurting. If our attitude is, first of all, we're going to figure out what's wrong with them and judge them and bring condemnation on them. Are you all hearing me, church? Are you listening? He says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, listen to this last verse, for the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. He's talking about all those. The same measure you use is going to be measured back to you. If you're going to bring healing to somebody, and you're going to first judge them and criticize them and bring condemnation on them, you've lost them already. They're not going to listen to another word you say. They're going to walk away from you. They say, yeah, I know. I, I see how you want to fix me, but I've seen your life too. I see that you've got a plank in your eye. How are you going to help me? I see how you treat the neighbors. I see how you treat things. I see what you do in, in, when you don't think anybody else is looking. How are you going to help me if, you, if you're going to judge me and criticize me for my life and you're walking in your life and it doesn't look anything like the Jesus that I've been hearing about? I love this body of believers. You know why I have I hear it over and over and over again. What do you like about Freedom Fellowship? Well, I love it because the, there's life here, uh, the spirits here. There's the, the, the there's freedom here. But you know what else I hear? I'm not judged when I walk in. People aren't pointing out my 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 tats, or they're not pointing out this, or my piercings. They're not pointing out my clothes. They're not pointing out this. They're not pointing out that. They just put their arms around me and love me, and I don't even know why they do that. I don't even know these people, and they hug me. That's the kind of body of believers that, that you look like Jesus. And I'm thankful for you. And I praise God for you. That's, the, that's who he's called us to be because that's who he is. Listen, if you don't see it here on Sunday morning, go down Tuesday night or Thursday night and check it out at the food pantry. See the people that come in there broken and hurt and blind. 
You see these people ministering to them. Can I help you? Can I serve you? Praying for them, blessing them. What kind of groceries? What, what do you need in your home? How can we help you? Can we give you a ride home? I noticed you walked in. Can, can we help you get home? Man, the love of Christ is thick. And because the love of Christ is thick, and I know this man right up here, Justin Brumley, I know that not just him, but many others of you have led people from the darkness to the light because of the love of Christ. People have gotten saved and saved and saved and saved and saved. They've been healed. There have been miracles. There have been signs. There have been wonders. But listen, guys, that is the normal Christian life. It's not a Tuesday night, Thursday night, Sunday mornings, Life group night, it should be every day in our life. We should be looking for opportunities to love somebody, not to judge them. To bring hope to them, not condemnation. And give to them without expecting something back. You know, some people, they get, you know what? People get offended when they give a gift to somebody. They don't give a thank you card back. You've already messed up on the giving of your gift if that's what you're doing it for. You really have. I know it's nice to give a thank you. I know it's nice to send a little card. And in this next generation, it's a text. It's a Facebook message. Sure saves on stamps and, and paper, right? We're just saving the trees. And it's nice to get the responses. But that's not why we do what we do, church. We do it because of the love of Christ within us. Who are you going to listen to? Is that an uh-oh? He's really getting serious now. Uh-oh. Oh, children are awesome. This isn't really an uh-oh. And I've already said this, but who are you going to let minister to you? Somebody that you see the character of Christ in their life? You see the love of God in them, in their eyes. You, you feel the, the, the presence of the Spirit of God when they walk in. Who are you going to let minister to you? That person or the person that's got a plank in their eye that only sees the bad in other people, that only wants to fix people? And I can help you. I can, get, I can get that demon out of you. Well, you might want to check the demons that are running around in you first. Who, who are you going to listen to? Because this is, this is what I believe. God is interested in our character. He truly is interested in our character. We should be the best employees. You've heard me say these things before. We should be the best employees a boss could have. We should be the best employer. We should be the best student that we can be. We should be the best mother, father, son. We should, we should be the people that live... They should, you shouldn't have to say what I said earlier. I'm going to tell you the truth now. <laughs> when you speak, people ought to know. That person, when they speak, it's the truth. You can trust them. We, have, we should be people of such character. When we say something, we don't have to sign a contract, but we'll do what we say we'll do. Let our, your yes be yes, and right? Your no be no. We should be that kind of people of integrity. That, that's who we should be. Listen what he says, for a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. And I, I could do a whole teaching on judging 
and show you how the scripture fits. And just let me tell you this. God allows us to judge. Did you know that? He just says the way you judge is going to be the way you're judged. We are. We can be fruit inspectors. We can look at people and discern. God gives us a spirit of discernment. So don't, don't take that do not judge as a blanket. We can't judge anybody. We judge people all the time. You stay away from certain people because you are, ooh, Holy Spirit said stay away, right? You go into certain places. You go, ooh, I, just, I don't like this feeling here. There's an unction from the Spirit of God. You just go, okay. Okay, so just understand that because he says here, for every tree is known by its fruit. Pretend you're a tree. What do people see when they see you? What kind of fruit's growing? The fruits of the Spirit or the fruit of the world? That's what we're talking about here. Every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, and they do not gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. This is what I want you to hear this morning. What are you, what are you speaking? What are you living? What's your character like that will bring you to the place that you can speak life into somebody who's blind? And the scales will be removed from their eyes. Because if you are in bondage, if you're in caught up in all the stuff of the world, it's going to be very difficult for you to bring healing and hope to somebody else. So today, maybe you've got a plank in your eye. Maybe, maybe you've got, you know what, immediately some people go, well, I know, huh? I know some people with planks in their eyes, but then you probably have a plank in your eye. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? If you've already thought of somebody else that really needed to hear this message, you're the one that really needed to hear this message. So would you stand, please? Can we have our ministry team come? And please... After ministry time, please don't rush off. We've got a couple of more things we want to share with you, and uh, they're very important. So just hang around, okay? Bow your heads, close your eyes. Lord, I believe that the body of, of Christ at Freedom Fellowship, I believe that we really, truly believe that we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus that we are supposed to do the greater works. And Lord, it's going gonna, it's gonna to start with us having a pure heart. It's going to start with us getting the plank out of our own eye. Because I believe that every person in here, they really want to be. They, they want to go out from this place, even into the messiness of the world, and bring hope to the hopeless to bring sight to the blind, to bring healing to those that are, are, are hurting today. It may be in our, in our families. It may be in our immediate families, Lord, that we would walk out of this place healed and whole, that our testimony would, our testimony would reflect Christ, our lives would reflect Christ, then our words would come forth and our words would be coming forth with power. 
Lord, I know we're not perfect. I am not perfect. But you are perfecting us. You're perfecting us. You're maturing us. That we would not be like just flailing in the sea or tossed to and fro by the winds of, of doubt, Lord. That we would be standing on the rock of Christ this morning. And affecting this community, our families, our workplaces, our schools, affecting them in a way that would advance the kingdom of God in power. Lord, we know we can't do any of these things without your Holy Spirit. So, Father, today may we yield to you. May we yield to your Spirit and allow you to heal us and remove the plank from our eye as we repent of trying to fix somebody else, Lord, when we're the ones that need repairing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you need prayer this morning for anything, not necessarily what I've just preached, but whatever, if you have a prayer need this morning as Jeff plays, we just want you to step out and come. We have our ministry team here to the front. For any reason, maybe you feel that this is the church I'm supposed to be plugged into. You never actually said yes to, to, to plugging in here officially. Uh, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ He's your Lord and Savior and, you would, and today I want to know Him we can direct you there we can show you maybe you have a, there's a heaviness in your heart from, from illness or, or brokenness that you want God to repair and heal today you can trust these folks when you come you can trust them to pray for you to be led by the Spirit of God to, lead, to pray for you maybe you're here this morning and you just got scales on your eyes and you want those scales to fall off so you can see Jesus more clearly. You step out and come. We're just going to wait just a few minutes. They'll step out and come. They're going to take you to a side room and pray for you. Can you pray this morning for anything? Physical needs, we want to pray for you this morning. You have a physical need. We want to pray for you this morning.